Welcome to the crux of investing in finance, everybody. My name is Jay, and thank you for joining me. I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening. It means a lot to me. If you haven't already, please follow our Instagram at Investonomics Education and our Facebook page at Investonomics. So please sit back, relax, and I hope you can learn something new. Before we dive in today, I just want to say that this is a primarily video-based show. So for to get the full experience, you should go to Investonomics YouTube channel, like and subscribe to the channel, and you can follow the video there for a nice visual representation of what I'm going to be talking about. Welcome everyone and happy Sunday. This week's topic is on deflation. So as mentioned, inflation is a hot topic these days and it's all we hear on the news. But what exactly is deflation and the negative stigma associated with it? So very importantly, deflation is not what's called disinflation. There's a distinction here. The former is the opposite of inflation. And to be more precise, it is actually negative inflation levels. The latter, or disinflation, is simply shrinking, but not negative, inflation rates. I apologize, that got deleted for some reason. Since it is negative inflation, this actually means that deflation brings lower price levels over time, or a growth in the purchasing power of each dollar in circulation. Essentially, this means you can buy more with the same dollars. So now let's take a look at how deflation affects consumption. Deflation can originate from many areas of the economy, but the most common areas where it comes from include an increase in the supply of goods, a decrease in the aggregate or economy-wide demand for goods, or a reduction in the money supply. This is the opposite of printing money. Deflation, generally speaking, is good for the economy since the increase in purchasing power that it brings from the value of each dollar rising actually brings this to a positive thing. This actually leads to increased consumption, which, of course, stimulates the economy. Now, slight levels of deflation are pretty normal and are typically caused by technological advancements which actually lead to cheaper input prices for supply. And this means it's cheaper to supply goods and easier to supply them, which leads to falling prices. Typically, consumption increases are seen for specific goods, specifically ones with lower time preference. And what does that mean exactly? This is goods that are consumed right away, and hence low time preference, such as food and clothes. And these mainly contribute to the rise in consumption levels, since these are consumed at a higher level. Deflation starts to become more problematic, however, when credit levels in the economy are rising. So now let's take a look at that. It's called debt deflation. Deflation has a very negative impact on debt or credit. These are used interchangeably. This stems from the idea that as dollars become worth more in the economy, so does the real value of debt, because these are also denominated in dollars, which actually increases the liability and debt burden of a borrower in the economy. 
And because of this, with heavy levels of deflation, debt might actually be defaulted on given the high cost of servicing the debt, i.e. paying interest on it. So as an example, if interest rates on a loan are at their floor level of 0%, which is often the case during deflationary periods, but deflation is at 10% per year, the debt holder is actually paying an effective interest rate on their real debt of 10% just due to deflation. This is because the dollars used to repay the debt or their loan are 10% more valuable at the end of the year, which means they're actually paying more than their loan is actually worth. The debt burden becomes larger when deflation is high and is very dangerous when credit levels in the economy are abnormally elevated. It could be dampened in its effects if central banks allowed negative interest rates to, avail, to prevail in the economy, but this has its own limitations as well. For example, this would leak to lead to bank runs. What is this? It's a phenomenon that savers will actually withdraw their funds from a bank and seeing people do this will lead others to do it as well, since the negative rates mean they essentially lose their money over time. So of course they'll take it out and keep it as cash. So this is generally avoided by central banks and they keep it at a floor of 0%. And now let's take a look at some what deflation does in recessions and how it leads to deflationary spirals. So interestingly, deflation has actually been found to be very common during recession or depression periods. For example, the 2008 financial crisis, as well as the Great Depression, both had observable high levels of deflation. Typically, it follows an economic downturn, but it can also be present during it, which means it can be during or after a recession or a depression where we see deflation. So how does this happen? So in a normal and stable economy, specifically first world countries, the Fed usually prints money and issues large volumes of credit in order to keep up with growth. The credit levels at both the individual and business credit levels rise and interest rates are pushed lower through this. But as soon as the Fed or central bank raises interest rates for whatever reason, or there's an initiation of a market slowdown or recession, the overleveraged economy will experience debt deflation and servicing debt will become difficult and put a huge strain on the economy. And debt deflation is what actually causes the most issues with deflation in general. Now this inevitably leads to defaulting on debt throughout the economy and this is due to that high cost of servicing. This in turn leads to weak bank balance sheets and people want to withdraw their money in fear of losing it. And again, this leads to that bank run where people want to hold cash rather than holding their money at a bank. If debt deflation is severe enough, it can actually lead to the collapse of banks. And this is what happened in the Great Depression in 1929. Liquidity, which is the rate at which money changes hands and the ease of which you can change money for credit or vice versa, dries up and the supply of both money and credit falls, which leads to falling prices and therefore to more deflation. Less dollars in the economy means each dollar is worth more. And of course this increases the debt burden further, which pushes prices even lower. And this is what's called a deflationary spiral, and it's 
one of the most deadly vicious cycles known in economics. It's where higher debt burdens lower liquidity and which in turn lowers prices, which increases debt burdens and this cycle keeps repeating unless there's an intervention of some sort. The spiral is created through lowered prices, but here's how it happens. So the first step is that lower prices reduce supply and or production because there's less incentive due to less profit able to be made in the industry. And this lower production leads to both lower wages and a lower number of jobs offered, which increases the unemployment rate, of course. The third is that this leads to less demand. And this is because people have less money and there's more unemployment, so there's less demand for goods. And this lowers prices even further and the spiral continues through this manner. The Great Depression of 1929 was observed to be an example of such a deflationary spiral. If the central bank doesn't properly manage deflation, it can lead to a serious recession, which is defined as a two plus consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, or even a depression, which is many years or consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. Overall, some deflation is healthy for a technologically advanced economy, as mentioned before, so it's not that deflation is the enemy, but it's debt deflation that is the enemy. Periods like with COVID-19 have led to high levels of inflation, which have also increased levels of credit in the economy due to the distressed businesses. And the large money supply and these credit levels are going to inevitably lead to deflation as interest rates will be increased in 2022. And if you remember, it, when interest rates increase, this leads to that higher debt default. And debtors will be the first to be affected by this. The bubble of large levels of debt incurred through COVID-19 has created a situation where deflation will be prominent really soon, likely in Q1 or Q2 of 2022. This will lead to borrowers clawing to service their debt and make interest payments over the next few months and next few years as well. And if not properly managed by monetary policy in terms of interest rates and the money supply, it could be the onset of a much larger recession over the next couple of years. So I'll see you guys. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to leave a five-star rating on here. It means a lot to me. And make sure to write a little review, either what we can improve or what you liked. That helps us out a bunch. See you guys next time.